Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and we are diving deep into the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous today. We are on chapter 2, page 24, in a chapter called There is a Solution. And as we've moved through the big book, we found out from the doctor's opinion that we have this allergy that triggers craving and the obsession to drink. And we just do it. And there's something wrong with us physically, mentally, that it's a medical problem, not a moral problem. And then we listen to Bill's story. And in Bill's story, we discovered that Bill Wilson had all the same problems a lot of us have. And we get his story of falling to failure to alcohol and also that through service to others, we can recover. And in the first part of There is a Solution, we discovered that same concept that the more important we make other people to us, the more important we'll become to other people is a general way I like to say it. And then in the second part of There is a Solution, we kind of identified with the real alcoholic, that there are such a thing as a moderate drinker and even a heavy drinker. But for the alcoholic, this is a peril that we have in common that we really just can't overcome on our own, that we we will repeatedly break commitments we make to others and ourselves over and over and over again. We'll modify and try to change our lives in order to accommodate drinking And we will defy the trouble that comes into our lives that we create and how we drag so many people, so many things down with us. We have this tremendous negative impact on the people we love, and we can't seem to help but do it. So today, what we're going to get into, and there's just a little bit of that part two to bridge us into this other idea, and that is that there is a solution. So we get into the title of the chapter today. And I I hope you listen really, really close because this solution is simple and doable by anyone. Anybody can do this. It matters not at all how far gone you believe you are, how bad you think your problems are. Somebody's got it further gone. Someone's worse off. And the first step in service is being here today, listening to this in an effort to do something different with your alcohol problem. So as we get into it, uh, we are on page 24, and we are starting at a sentence that says, the almost certain consequences. We're revisiting real quickly the idea that we can't control ourselves, right? So it says, the almost certain consequences that follow taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur... They are hazy and readily supplanted with the old threadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. And we have no proof of that, do we? (laughs) We have no evidence that we can do that, but we will believe it. There is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove, a problem of the mind, not the body, we've been told so far. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, It won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way, and after a third or fourth or tenth or twentieth or who knows, right, pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking, problem in the mind, when this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. And unless locked up, may die, 
or go permanently insane. You'll hear things like wet brain and, you know, all sorts of different things. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, in other words, undeserved favor, we're going to move this to a spiritual idea. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations, thousands more people gone, if not for this program. So many want to stop, but cannot. Think about it. The grace of God might well be that you're in this meeting right now. You didn't make this meeting. You didn't invent your sponsor. You didn't come up with the AA big book. You didn't do anything for it. It's sitting around waiting on you. And as you are, no matter what you got going on in your life, no matter how bad it seems to you, this door is open. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. So as we walk into that idea that we cannot control our drinking, that it's a problem that rests in our mind, and that there's a spiritual solution to come, we get to this idea. There is a solution. So let's go on. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others. Look around the room right now. Look at your sponsor. Think about the people you've met in AA. You know this works. But we saw that it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. It's going to be better than you can even think of. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. And it's just the beginning, the drinking, it's told, told us already, right? It's just the beginning. Not only aren't you going to drink anymore if you follow this program, your life is going to be better than you can even dream. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solutions. There's no halfway. There's no kind of, there's no I like this and I don't like that. There's no my program. There's no my version of the program. There's the program, and it's an all-the-way deal. There is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out consciousness of the intolerable situation as best we could, and the other, to accept spiritual help. Now ask yourself, which one's easier? Which one would you rather do? How much effort goes into buying liquor, drinking liquor, finding a place to sleep, getting rides home, you know, all the lies, all the excuses, all the jobs, all the pain, all the relationships? That's one pathway. Or... You can try this other pathway. 
That's to accept spiritual help. I mean, that just sounds so much easier. One is accept spiritual help. It's just three words. The other one takes a bunch of words and incorporates a whole lot of pain that we are all too familiar with. To accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. So that's some soul searching for you right there. Do you honestly want this? Are you willing to make the effort? And so we go, we dive into a story here. A certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. For years, he had floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrist. Then he had gone to Europe, placing himself in the care of a celebrated physician, the psychiatrist Dr. Jung, who prescribed for him. Though experience had made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. His physical and mental conditions were unusually good. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. So he returned to his doctor, whom he admired, and asked him point blank why he could not recover. He wished above all things to regain self-control. He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems, yet he had no control whatever over alcohol. Why was this? He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society, and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. That was a great physician's opinion. That doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> doesn't sound like, hey, go down to the church and get this sucker done, you know? Go here or go there. I got this pill or this tablet, right? There's just nothing. You're just doomed. But this man still lives and is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. He can go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster, provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude, a certain simple angle of approach, a certain simple methodology, a certain simple strategy, policy, system, whatever you want to put in there, it's simple and it's absolute. Some of our alcoholic readers may think they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our friend had with his doctor. The doctor said, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. A problem of the mind, and the doctor has never seen anyone recover when it's really ingrained in that real alcoholic. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. He said to the doctor, Is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to cases such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements. There's that rocketed into the fourth dimension. Huge emotional displacements and rearrangements is what the doctor calls it. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, 
I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. With many individuals, the methods which I employed are successful, but I have never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that, while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. And I think what the doctor may have been implying there is that it comes after the realization that you're an alcoholic, that you can't practice religion into sobriety. You got to live the elements or the principles of it. And AA will teach you that. AA will enhance any religious experience, no matter what discipline you might ascribe to or not. The principles in AA can deliver to you the power spiritually to stay sober. Here was the terrible dilemma in which our friend found himself when he had the extraordinary experience, which, as we have already told you, made him a free man. We, in our turn, sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or, if you prefer, a design for living that really works. A design for living that really works. It's a powerful hand of God and a design for living that really works. The distinguished American psychologist, William James, in his book, Varieties of Religious Experience, indicates a multitude of ways in which men have discovered God. We have no desire to convince anyone that there is only one way by which faith can be acquired. If what we have learned and felt and seen means anything at all, it means that all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. Those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There is no friction among us over such matters. We think it no concern of ours what religious bodies our members identify themselves with as individuals. This should be an entirely personal affair which each one decides for himself in the light of past associations or his present choice. Not all of us join religious bodies, but most of us favor such memberships. In the following chapter, there appears an explanation of alcoholism, as we understand it, then a chapter addressed to the agnostic. Many who once were in this class are now among our members. Surprisingly enough, we find such convictions no great obstacle to a spiritual experience. Further on, clear-cut directions are given showing how we recovered. These are followed by three dozen personal experiences. So what we're getting here is an outline of the rest of the book. Here is the work part of the solution. Here is the part that we dive into to gain understanding, that if we do these things honestly, and willingly, sufficiently honest and willing enough that we will conjure or create or have the spiritual experience, that vital spiritual experience or spiritual awakening, as it is called in other places. Each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. These give a fair cross-section of our membership and a clear-cut idea of what has actually happened in their lives. We hope no one will consider these self-revealing accounts in bad taste. 
Our hope is that many alcoholic men and women desperately in need will see these pages, and we believe that it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems that they will be persuaded to say, yes, I am one of them too. I must have this thing. So as we finish up this section, we've gone all the way through the chapter called There is a Solution. And we've walked through the idea that it's actually service to others, making other people more important than me. And then the reason why is because I have this problem that I cannot overcome. I have an allergy that I'm unable to overcome that leaves me making commitments to myself and others that I don't keep. And I leave wreckage everywhere. I destroy people's lives. I hurt children. I wreck employers' expectations. I don't take advantage of my God-given talents. I am smart. I am capable. And I don't get out there and express that into the world. I don't share it with other people. And the solution comes along. And it's a spiritual solution that we want to create this relationship with God because God will do for us what we are unable, unwilling, didn't know to do for ourselves. And that's been the experience of all the people in AA. And just look around you in your room right now and think about the people that are here right now to help you wrecked in a common peril like people in a shipwreck. You can work together and save each other's lives and no one else can do it for you. There's no doctor. There's no pill. There's none of that. There's none of that. So even if you come from a hospital, it's just a, a good foundation. It's just a beginning. That drinking is not really the problem. We have this problem that rests in our mind and drinking, will, getting the drinking out of the way will just be the beginning. So I hope your talk today can be about how you perceive this God thing, not necessarily your relationship with God. When you first came around AA and you heard God and spirit, what did you think? And how has your position changed since then? Your relationship with God is a critical part of success in the program of AA. So building that relationship, whether you think God, and the other thing is God is just an idea. So there's ideas out there like God means group of drunks, good orderly direction. And I like to say when I'm drinking, it's the governor of destruction. <laughs> That's what I am. So when alcohol's my God, I'm the governor of destruction. When sobriety and the God of AA is my God, I follow a good orderly set of directions. And if I complete those directions and live them as tools in my life, I experience the happy, joyous, and freeness, freedom that I've been looking for all along. So I hope you guys have a great discussion around God, the higher power, the power greater than yourself, the spirit of the universe, all the different terms that get used throughout the book to describe this powerful thing that created it all. And I hope that if you're in here and you're wondering about God and, or if you're talking with your sponsor today or whatever it is, my hope is that you can discover at least the willingness and honesty with yourself that you cannot do it on your own and that you do need help. And I believe that that alone will be enough to get you started. I hope you have a great discussion.